Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, as always, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Paddy, how are you? I am positively splendid, Gary. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Lovely. And what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about drugs. So we've been talking about supplementation, and we spoke a bit last week about supplementation for fat loss. And we discussed many different supplements, and we alluded to a couple of supplements that might slot into the medications category so we said we'd follow up with a full episode on you know those those supplements or medications that you're probably not going to be getting over the counter probably not getting them on your usual supplement uh, website and would ideally be prescribed by a doctor so some of these are on label licensed weight loss medications that we'll be discussing and others are medications or drugs that might be used by bodybuilders for example so this will give you i think a useful insight regardless of whether or not you're ever considering these medications of how weight loss works and how weight loss supplementation works and this is important because it's something we've actually touched on in multiple episodes so far we've said that even when it comes to these you know powerful drugs powerful medications you're still never escaping the fact that it comes down to energy balance and the the basic calories in calories out equation can still explain the mechanism of all of these medications and that's something i really want to impress upon you in this episode yeah and we did actually do a similar episode when we were going through the obesity series we did go through some of the medications that are often prescribed for obesity so there is a lot of overlap in this episode because obviously obesity mm-hmm. is just well sorry treating obesity is just more extreme fat loss you know there's just either more fat to lose or there is a faster impetus to lose that fat lose that fast or not a faster impetus a, an increased impetus to lose that fat right um so we have covered a lot of this stuff before but we do want to go through it again in terms of this overall like supplementation medication series whatever you want to call it that we are doing but similar to what gary said I do want to also reiterate that it still comes down to those baseline health habits, you know, like all the stuff that we talk about all the time, you see a very common thread and nutrition, your baseline nutrition has to be dialed in. Like you can take all the fucking weight loss drugs in the world. If you don't have good nutrition patterns or whatever, like you're not going to see the results that you want. Now, this is one of the issues um, especially with more extreme cases like obesity and stuff where you might not be able to dial in your baseline health habits unless you are on drugs. You know, it's like a chicken or egg thing, right? And some people just find it incredibly difficult to you know, control their hunger, for example, incredibly difficult to stay on track with certain diets and taking medications may be the missing pick or missing piece for them to be able to even be able to do those baseline health habits, healthy diet, et cetera. You know, however, again, it is one of those chicken or egg things where some of the things they're going to need help with in terms of medication, some of the things it's still going to be just the same stuff that everyone deals with, like exercising. You have to find time to do it. You have to actually do it. You actually have to push yourself. Like, there's no real medication that's going to do that for you, right? So there is 
like you have to tackle this stuff from all angles. It's not just an either or, which oftentimes I feel like in the fat loss space, especially when we're talking about obesity, like it's, it's very uh, moralized. It's very dichotomized as well, where it's like, oh, if you take drugs to help with your fat loss, you're a bad person. You know, this is just a stupid uh, thought process overall. Um, but then also, it, it, it's made into this dichotomy of like, it's either drugs or it's willpower and just do it yourself. When those two things should easily just be married together. Like they don't need to be separated. Um, but anyway, Gary, before we get off on a tangent with that, what are drugs? What are the weight loss, fat loss medications that are often used? Well, I should say, I wouldn't say often used, but are often thought about in this discussion. Yeah, so the, the first category is certainly one that's used a lot and, that, and that's the category of stimulants and we've discussed stimulants already because these definitely cross that bridge between uh, supplements and medications naturally those that will fit into the medication or drug category are going to be more powerful and one of those that comes up very frequently in physique slash bodybuilding circles would be clenbuterol so clenbuterol is a beta-2 adrenergic agonist. And what that means is that it basically agonizes or increases signaling um, related to the beta-2 uh, adrenergic receptors. Okay, so this is part of your sympathetic nervous system, sort of. So it's, it's related to the sympathetic nervous system or sympathetic activation. And this is the branch of the nervous system that basically turns you into a fight, fight or flight mode. So you're hyped up, you're energetic, everything's moving really quickly, you're in that goal phase, okay? And that's fundamentally what you're doing when you take something like clenbuterol, you're basically putting yourself in that goal phase, but you're doing it over a longer period of time. So when you see someone that takes clenbuterol, they might be jittery, they'll be sweaty more, they might be anxious, their heart rate's going to be increased. So you're basically taking your resting metabolism and ramping everything up, okay? Um, Obviously, that's something that would increase your resting energy expenditure. If you're ramping up every system or lots of different systems to work at a higher rate, then you're going to increase your resting energy expenditure. And you see increases of resting en energy expenditure of around 20 plus 20% or sometimes even more. So the question of how much it increases your energy expenditure might then be modified by, for example, how active you are. So if you get plus 20% of your resting energy expenditure, but because of the clenbuterol, you're not also burning more during exercise, there might even be a greater um, increase in your energy expenditure. So you can appreciate that would be quite potent. Like for example, if your maintenance calories were normally 2000 calories and you increase that by you know, 10, 20%, you're, you're talking 200 to 400 extra calories to maintain. And therefore, if you're eating the same calories, you're going to lose far more weight as a result. There's also potentially some impact on appetite regulation from the use of clenbuterol. That doesn't seem to be a very consistent effect. The most pronounced thing that we see is that increase in resting energy expenditure. And another reason that bodybuilders in particular will use this drug is that it doesn't just act on um, you know, fat loss itself, because beta-2 uh, adrenergic receptors are dispersed throughout the body, and including skeletal muscle. And one of the things that we see is that this also may have 
an impact on muscle hypertrophy, uh, potentially performance as well. So there's effects that go beyond just the fat loss. And it's probably the case that when someone takes clenbuterol, you'd experience both fat loss and potentially muscle gain or better muscle retention. Now, of course, it's very difficult to tease that out when this is used in bodybuilding practice, let's say, because it's it's going to be used in conjunction with things like testosterone and potentially other anabolic drugs. So you're rarely going to be encountering a bodybuilder that's just taking clenbuterol because if you're using that, then you're probably already on tests and multiple other drugs. But overall, you can think of clenbuterol as ramping up the system, stimulating your base, your basal metabolism, potentially modifying your appetite and leading to a situation where you're likely to have less body fat and potentially more muscle as a result. Yeah. And I don't think there's much else to say on it. Like it's an effective drug. That's why bodybuilders use it. Obviously there's a lot of side effects that go along with it. Um, Like we're definitely not suggesting, Oh, someone wants to lose a bit of weight or some fat clenbuterol first step, you know, like it just doesn't make sense. The only reason we're covering these drugs is because, well, first of all, someone asked us to do it. Uh, but second of all, because it gives you a better picture of what's at play. When you see people on social media, you see different things going on. You're like, okay, so there are actually drugs that help with achieving this goal. It's not all just willpower and, oh, I can stick to my diet easier, you know? Um, so clenbuterol helps with fat loss, helps with the actual fat loss itself, but then it also potentially modifies some of the things that we would classically modify with regard to fat loss in terms of it maybe makes you able to burn more energy. You're able to just do more throughout the day, either by virtue of being a little bit more jittery. Maybe your, your niche goes up a little bit. You're taking a few extra steps. You're doing a bit more extra movement, fidgeting a bit more, etc. You're able to maybe push yourself in the gym a little bit harder. Now, some people would argue that you aren't able to push yourself in the gym as much. You might get some cramps, for example, and like different areas, calves, low back, whatever. So you aren't able to push as hard. You also might notice that your heart rate gets too high during say cardio, which might give you and well, first of all, might give you some sort of anxiety like feeling where you're like, fuck, I need to stop this. And as a result, you don't burn as many calories. Um, but also it does for a lot of people have appetite uh, effects. We'll say a lot of people find that their appetite is somewhat blunted when taking stuff like clenbuterol or stimulants in general. People find that their anxiety goes up a little bit. And a lot of people find that when their anxiety is a little bit higher, they aren't they aren't just aren't as hungry. You know, they don't eat as much. So we've got the two classical things that we often modify, which is, you know, increasing our energy output. So we've got a lot of stuff going on there when you take clenbuterol, but also potentially also modifying our energy input, making it easier to eat fewer calories while still burning a lot of energy by virtue of exercising more, your resting metabolic rate goes up, et cetera, you know? Um, so Let me just say one more thing on that uh, just before we move on, just about that, like, it sounds it, that that can seem tempting. Like if you're a healthy person and you look at that, you think, "Oh, well, that sounds great." You know, I'll deal with a bit of jitteriness and a bit of sweating, etc. That sounds fine. But th- the problem is, you know, if you think of something like a, a beta two agonist, right? That's like basically when you hear someone taking a beta blocker for 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 example, reducing their blood pressure or their heart rate or you know heart disease risk. The reason people are when people take that medication, that's basically the total opposite of something like clenbuterol. So when you're taking clenbuterol, you're putting yourself at risk of, you know, having a faster heart rate, 
potentially encountering cardiac arrhythmias where you have, you know, dangerous heart rhythms, you have putting yourself at increase of increasing your blood pressure, etc. So you're in it, you can't just turn everything up and expect no side effects to occur. Okay. There's a, nat a natural balance in, in the body between the sort of sympathetic nervous system actions and the parasympathetic nervous system actions where we have periods where we're going, we're ramping everything up, but we need those periods of rest. We need our body to come back to normal. And if you're constantly ramping up the system, even though it's not serving any particular purpose, there is likely to be risks occurring from that. So the reason I say that is because you might be wondering, you know, why a doctor would prescribe this for fat loss, but they might prescribe some of the other drugs that we'll talk about later on. And this largely comes down to considering the, the side effect profile and especially long-term risk as well. Yeah, and there are actually quite a lot of side effects with clenbuterol. Like it is cardiotoxic, like, and your cardiomyocytes, when they're affected by this, like, it's not like they just regrow. It's not like, oh, I just take it. I got some damage to my heart. It's all good. No, like you've got that damage for life now. You know, it's like, this is, these are cells that aren't regenerating, we'll say, right? Or they're not regenerating the same way other cells would, at least, right? So you could take one tablet of clenbuterol and have, necrosis of the heart <laughs> you know like that that's just not not beneficial for a long long life you know um you know, it's realistically probably not going to be that yeah. bad but there it is cardiotoxic you know um so ideally you would not consume clenbuterol um that would be a better option um but it is in the arsenal there it is something that people use for eliciting fat loss, weight loss, etc. You know, now there are other stimulants, and I just put these in here. We're not going to go into them too in depth, um, but they are often, again, in this overall fat loss, weight loss medication uh, category, and that's stuff like Adderall, Modafinil, and various other what are often called smart drugs. Um, and we've talked about a few of these before, and we actually will talk about them in other episodes uh, in this series, um, but. They are, for a lot of people, very stimulating. Some people, they actually get the opposite effect. But for a lot of people, they are quite stimulating uh, drugs. They do cause you to move around a little bit more. So again, we're, you know, energy expenditure. They generally, especially stuff like Adderall, people generally uh, find that their appetite is blunted quite a bit. Um, and again, that's modifying that energy in stuff, or at least allowing you to stick to your diet a lot easier. Like a lot of people will say, uh, I took some modafinil, for example, and I just wasn't hungry. I just forgot about eating until the end of the day, you know, which is obviously phenomenal for staying on track with your weight loss diet. If you just don't think about eating, you just forget it. And modafinil actually does have some interesting uh, effects in orexin and other hunger hormones. Um, but again, we're not going to get into them today because generally speaking, Adderall, modafinil, any of those kind of things, Ritalin, whatever, like they're not generally prescribed as fat loss or weight loss medications so the only reason i'm bringing them up is they fall into this stimulant category um and they do have effects in terms of weightless weight loss or fat loss um but they're generally we'll call them like uh you know adjacent to the medications that are often recommended however it is important to understand that they do have effects they do have effects in terms of fat loss weight loss so they do play into this overall drug 
pharmacopoeia or whatever that we have uh, available to us, right? And um, again, you have to get it prescribed, so maybe it's not available to you, but you know what I'm saying. So do you mean to say on Adderall, Modafinil, Ritalin, anything like that? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, the, you've covered it well. Yeah. And there are obviously other stimulants that we talked about, either they're just over-the-counter stuff, caffeine, for example, and there are also stuff that we could potentially call stimulating, um, like thyroid medication, for example, like that potentially you could say that's a stimulant. We will talk about that in a moment. Um, also, illicit drugs as well, cocaine, MDMA. You know, I mean, you've, you've probably seen people who have potentially gone down the wrong path there with some of those um, drugs, and they're probably not the, the bulkiest people. You know, that very often you see those side effects manifest. Like meth, for example, which is... Yeah, there you go. Just like Adderall. Well, not really, but it is very similar. Like, again, there's a reason that they're all very skinny, right? Um, but anyway, yeah, drugs, illicit drugs, cocaine, the likes, they obviously do have effects here, right? But anyway, we'll move on from that stimulant category. We'll move on to, let's call it metabolic drugs. Um, one of these we did actually cover in, I think it was the last episode, um, which is DNP. So Gary, do you have anything to say on DNP? Yeah, I'll just I'll just summarize what I said in the last episode for those who maybe haven't listened to it. So like DNP or dinitrophenol, this basically acts on the electron transport chain, which is the last part of our kind of normal basic metabolic pathways that you'll be looking at if you were to study metabolism. And basically what it does is it decouples the energy substrate metabolism. So if we take an energy substrate like carbohydrate, we're breaking that down to try to get the energy out of it. It basically decouples the amount of ATP or energy currency that you should get from that molecule of carbohydrate. Um, it, it, it decouples what you should get from what you actually do get. So it basically enters into the system a degree of inefficiency. So instead of getting more ATP produced, it increases the amount of heat that's produced. So we get more heat that's produced through this uncoupling effect instead of getting ATP. Um, so that obviously leads to you know the, the conservation of energy because it's still converting it to heat energy, but we just end up with less ATP as a result. And this leads to an uh, increase in our uh, overall metabolic rate as a, as a result of taking something like DNP. Now, the problem with that is that if you're rapidly increasing thermogenesis, the production of heat in the body, you can pretty much quite literally just burn yourself alive. <laughs> you know, you can set your metabolism crazy, end up hyperthermic, and you can die. Okay, so it's not a it's not That's a safe drug. You don't have a cure for that. Like maybe you put you in an ice bath, but it's, <laughs> yeah, you're cooking yourself from the inside out. From the inside out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I like this isn't a drug that, that I would necessarily recommend. There are people that take it. I know people that 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 take it. I think it's actually making a little bit of a resurgence in bodybuilding these last few years um because you know people have realized that you know the 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 risk profile is is really of course as with most drugs dose dependent and some people are playing around with smaller doses and things like that but but overall it's it's just not a drug i'm recommending you know increasing inefficiency into your cellular metabolism by basically you're kind of just poisoning your mitochondria in some way it's just probably not the greatest idea especially when it's not very well studied there are some other metabolic drugs that you could say in some way also might poison your meta mitochondria but they're 
Yeah, it's a far more control effect. I just I wouldn't be reaching for the DMP too quick. Yeah, especially because I'm pretty sure there's no pharmacy that uh, makes DMP. So it's all yes, be- it's not what you're all some lad and you're cooking it up in his bathtub, right? So <laughs> you might be like, oh yeah, I'm only taking a small amount. These capsules or tabs or whatever they say they're X. I'm not going to give any dosing here. <laughs> uh, they say they're X amount in it, but you don't know that. That's some guy in his fucking bathtub that made that. He could be like, yeah, just pour that in there. Um, so like, again, wouldn't be me wouldn't be something that i'd be like yeah this is this is first line intervention but as we said we're we're going through all of these these are the things that are at play these are the things that are people are using there's a lot of people that do use dmp a lot of bodybuilders use it in the couple of weeks coming up to competition to really get a certain look um but would it be my first line intervention if i'm just trying to lose a couple of kilos for uh my holiday no absolutely absolutely not i probably also wouldn't be using it just to get some plastic trophy just wouldn't be wouldn't be me um but i can understand why some people would be willing to do that Um, now gary other metabolic drugs what other ones do we have at play yeah you can put metformin in here metformin is a, a very popular drug um in in medicine you know because it's actually it's really useful it's absolutely a great and medication you know for things like for example diabetes gestational diabetes pcos it, it has many different uses and one of those is is weight loss now it's not it's not a primary weight loss drug as such it's more so prescribed for those other indications but it can contribute to weight loss and its effects on weight loss aren't necessarily that they're you know it's just improving insulin sensitivity for example or you know reducing hepatic glucose output which are all mechanisms it seems like over the last few years that there's more research into some of the central effects of metformin so that it can um, interact with different areas in the brain to regulate regulate appetite which is kind of a general theme throughout all of these drugs like they have a lot of the the weight loss drugs they have some sort of peripheral mechanism that's interesting. It's like, oh, is it this metabolic effect? Is it this metabolic effect? But then when you really dig into the mechanism of action, it often seems that it's a, a, a sort of a, a neurocentric, a brain-centric effect where there's a regulation of appetite or energy expenditure that's occurring centrally. Um, and that seems to be the case in the case of metformin. So it can contribute to weight loss. Um, and that's one of those... Um, almost like side effects you could say that is desirable in the case of you know it being prescribed for diabetes for example so uh yeah metformin that's there's not too much else to say about it really because the a broader discussion of metformin would fit more into i suppose metabolic health and diabetes but for weight loss it does seem to have some positive effects as well yeah i don't really have much else to add again it wouldn't be something that i'd be like oh it's fat loss time let's get the metformin out but if it allows you to stick to your calories a little bit better and you maybe get some slightly better nutrient partitioning as a result, like obviously again, you can see why people would potentially use that. A lot of people also use it while trying to gain weight, which you might think is a little bit strange, but again, it's just for that, we'll say better nutrient partitioning effect. Now, whether that's something that I would personally, uh, you know, put my hat on, probably not. Um, probably not that great. It also does seem to have some potential negative effects in terms of exercise performance potentially yeah. also muscle gain itself and now i know 
it doesn't interact as much with the mTOR system as say something like a uh, berberine, for example. But again, it is working through, we'll say, we'll call it the AMPK system, um, which is kind of antagonistic to mTOR, which is stimulating muscle gain. Um, so it wouldn't be something that I would personally recommend. But again, I can understand why people would. Now, there are also some other, uh, we'll call them medications, drugs. They are just hormones within the body, which do play a role in fat loss um, and also like muscle gain, also muscle retention. Um, so there are a variety of hormones that you could classify as weight loss drugs, fat loss drugs, because they play a role. There's mechanistic reasons why they would help with this stuff. And for some people, taking these drugs leads to the outcome of weight loss or fat loss. So Gary, do you have anything to say on the, the hormones that people often put in this category? Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's a few different hormones that fit into this category and you'll see you know, bodybuilders playing around with a lot of these. So one of those would be testosterone. Okay, so generally, if you're increasing your testosterone level, you are going to have better body composition. So we get you get different nutrient partitioning effects. So for example, if we were going to have a fixed caloric surplus, more, more of it would be lean mass rather than being uh, fat mass. So it promotes a generally more uh, anabolic state. And in the case that you were going to lose weight, you'd be likely to um, you know, lose more body fat as opposed to muscle itself. Now, whether or not it would contribute you know, directly to an increase in, in energy expenditure or appetite regulation kind of depends on the context. Because if you were to, if you were in a case where you had testosterone deficiency and you had gained weight, weight as a result, maybe you were very lethargic, you had low energy levels, you were depressed, et cetera. And then you corrected that and suddenly you had more energy, you had more vitality, you know, you felt like being more active, you were more aggressive, you were ready for the gym, et cetera. All these things could potentially uh, improve weight loss as a result. So um, when it comes to testosterone, correcting testosterone deficiencies is likely to be useful and would be a, a solid indication for something like taking testosterone um but you know generally people aren't just you know, you know taking anabolic steroids for the purpose of just fat loss they're generally trying to get the pro muscle building or muscle retention effect so that's that's testosterone really thyroid is obviously another example this is thyroid hormones are among the most commonly used um agents for supporting fat loss in bodybuilders that are in competition prep so thyroid kind of very similar to the discussion related to clenbuterol thyroid basically regulates your whole metabolism there's thyroid receptors throughout the body and when you ramp up thyroid hormone production what you end up with is a, a state very similar to that described when we discussed clenbuterol you get an increase in your heart rate you're going to be sweatier you're going to be jittery you're going to be anxious um you're going to have an increase in your blood pressure you have all this energy that's effectively what occurs when you have a high level of thyroid hormone so again does it support weight loss does it increase your energy expenditure yes absolutely do we run into all the same side effects that I discussed in relation to ramping up the sympathetic nervous system? Yeah, very similar, you know, um, and that's something that's actually seen fairly commonly in terms of high thyroid hormone levels in hyperthyroid diseases, causing things like atrial fibrillation and other uh, arrhythmias. So again, not something to just be played around with when you don't know what you're doing, but if you're correcting a hypothyroid state, likely to, to be of benefit. So that would be thyroid. 
And then the final one is, is growth hormone. And growth hormone, you might be thinking, wait, what? Growth hormone is, is we're talking about this in the context of weight loss, isn't it a growth drug? But growth hormone is actually a bit of a kind of a weird hormone. It has a lot of like counterintuitive um, effects. It often relies on things like pulsatility. And if you have too much growth hormone, it has different effects. It's, it's a weird hormone, but there are proposed mechanisms as to how it might contribute to fat loss. It doesn't really seem to do all that much um, in trials that have been studied. Now, bodybuilders do continue to use growth hormone for the purpose of um, body recomposition or weight loss and, and other related effects. But I don't think it's I don't think it really moves the needle all that much on weight loss itself. There, if you have growth hormone deficiency, um, again, when, when you're correcting to a physiological state, there might be benefits there. But just adding on more growth hormone, does it have does it have significant effects on weight loss? I'm not all that sure. I haven't, haven't seen that much convincing research on that, to be honest. Yeah, and you might think that there are potential benefits for certain dosing protocols, like you know, taking it around morning exercise when you're fasted different things like that which again it might have an effect in terms of increasing lipolysis um, and then obviously if you're burning that maybe you're able to get a slightly leaner look that you wouldn't have been able to get yeah. otherwise and um, like you're able to mobilize fat in certain areas and then actually use it um, but is it one of those drugs that you start taking it and all of a sudden the fat just starts melting off you lose those 20 extra kilos that you've been carrying around probably not again if you're correcting a deficiency yeah, obviously there's going to be more of an effect there. Um, but in terms of the general use of it, probably not that great of an effect. Um, there might be some potential benefits in terms of muscle gain and muscle retention, especially if you're using it in uh, or alongside something like testosterone. There potentially are synergistic effects there. Um, but at a baseline, if you're like, oh, I think I'm going to start taking drugs for fat loss or weight loss or whatever, would I be like, yeah, whip out the growth hormone? No, probably not. Probably wouldn't be the first line intervention for me. Um, again, I can understand why some people do use it, but it's probably not all that effective, um, at least in my opinion. Um, so that's the hormones. There are other hormones that we could potentially talk about, especially different uh, neuro hormones or neuropeptides and different things like that that do potentially interact. We're not going to go down the rabbit hole with that stuff because it's a it's a big rabbit hole and it doesn't necessarily help our overall discussion here um but there are also some other drugs and these are the ones that are probably more used i would say in fat loss weight loss obesity management different things like that um but there are also drugs that aren't used as much in bodybuilding spheres right and um, well some of them are the glp1 agonists which we'll talk about they do seem to be taking or playing more and more of a role in stuff like bodybuilding um but it is interesting that the ones that we've covered previously they're the ones that bodybuilders are using and then the ones that we're going to cover now in a second these are the ones that more of the medical sphere are using right and that's kind of uh reflected in the risk profile or the side effect profile you'll see with the drugs the ones that were discussed previously there's oftentimes more side effects to using them uh, than there are effects or they aren't that effective for the specific goal that we have whereas these other drugs they're a little bit more specific for fat loss weight loss uh, whatever way you want to 
call it. Um, and they also seem to have less of a side effect profile. Does that mean that there's no side effects? Absolutely not. But in terms of you're talking about the general public, these seem to have less side effects. So Gary, what are these other diet drugs or weight loss, fat loss drugs or whatever you want to call them? Um, what are they? Yeah, so so firstly, there's a drug called Orlistat. And this has trade names such as Zenical or Ali. And this is an interesting drug because it's very simple. You know, it's a very simple idea. Basically, what it does is it binds within the gut to lipases, which are the enzymes responsible for breaking down fat. And basically, it inhibits hydrolysis of triglycerides. So as a result of binding to the lipases, it stops them from working and stops the breakdown of fat occurring within the gut. So as a result, what you end up doing is not absorbing those fats because we absorb free fatty acids, not uh, triglycerides in their whole form. So those uh, triglycerides or fats then end up being excreted. So you get about a 30% reduction in fat absorption um, because basically you're just not taking it into your body. It's going into your gut and then you're pooping it out. And if you were to take this as a work example, let's say you were you know, consuming 100 grams of fat per day, uh, nine calories per gram, 30 grams of that is not being absorbed, and then you get a reduction in your true caloric intake of about 270 calories. So you can see that's quite significant. Um, you know, that's clearly something that would contribute to fat loss. And it, it, this is just an interesting one in terms of the side effect profile, because I think it illustrates the the difference in the way that medical doctors versus bodybuilders might think. Because in something like Orlistat, the most common um, side effect is something that you'd probably expect, okay? You're basically getting all this fat out through your rear end. So you end up with steatorrhea and potentially diarrhea. Maybe it's not the most comfortable going to the bathroom. That's something that would really bother a bodybuilder, but a bodybuilder would totally tolerate um, the fast heart rate, <laughs> the risk of cardiovascular disease long-term, whereas the doctor is going to say, well, you know, a bit of diarrhea or whatever, a bit of, you know, fat in your stool, will tolerate that. That's fine. But long-term cardiovascular disease risk, okay, not so much. So it's just a, a difference in the way that you um, assess risk. So is this a very bad side effect? That's not so bad. You know, there are other side effects. I'm not going to go through the side effects of all these medications because that's obviously something you discuss with your doctor. Um, and it's going to vary by individual. But overall here, what we're doing is we're inhibiting the absorption of fat as a result of excreting, excreting that fat. And we have technically then a reduction of our, in our caloric intake. Yeah, so again, pretty straightforward. Uh, very straightforward. It reduces your energy intake. You know, again, if you want to lose fat or get weight loss, you're still going to have to ma manage that energy in, energy out, calories in, calories out, like overall equation. And this is just helping you do that by virtue of reducing the amount of fat that you absorb. And as a result, reduce, excuse me, reducing the amount of calories that you are effectively consuming because you're just pooping them out. Right. And um, but again, it goes back to the same stuff that we talked about at the start. You do still need to have those healthy lifestyle habits in play. You still need to eat a good diet. You do still need to do exercise, etc. Now, obviously, if you have something that's helping you to the tune of dropping out 30% or so uh, of your fat calories, like that obviously can be quite significant. Like, let's just say you're consuming 100 grams of fat, not unheard of, you know, relatively whatever, right? Like that's a quite a lot. That's like 30 grams, whatever of fat that you're just not absorbing. 
right? Which is whatever, that's about 300 calories, is it? By basically 30 by effectively 10, like 300 calories. Um, that's a lot, right? That's a lot of calories that you just didn't absorb. That could be significant fat loss over time, especially if you just kept the same habits or increased your health habits in terms of you did more exercise, you moved around more, et cetera. You could easily put yourself in a 500 calorie deficit by that drug and doing a little bit more exercise and boom, fat loss happens fast then, you know? Um, anyway, Gary, next drug, what are we talking about? Yeah, so the next drug class is that of the GLP-1 agonists. So GLP is glucagon-like peptide 1. And then when we say agonist, it means that it basically um, has the same effect at that receptor as, you know, GLP within the body. So we do have this within our body already, GLP-1. Um, and it primarily seems to act on the gut and the brainstem. Also some effects in the pancreas. But basically, we're looking at the gut and the brain, which are probably the two most common areas when it comes to these weight loss drugs in general. And the effect here is, is interesting because it goes back to what we were discussing previously, which is that there's a centrally mediated effect. So these drugs, including liraglutide, which you'll see referred to as Victoza or Saxenda, and semaglutide, which is Ozempic or Wegovi. Um, semaglutide is the most recent um, of interest. That's the one that got all that press there last year with the, the studies and the subsequent media exposure. Um, so semaglutide is, is the one that's probably a little bit better. But basically what they both work by doing is attenuating hunger. So again, we're reducing our uh, appetite and we're also reducing brain activation after we eat. So if we have you know a meal, there's a certain level of satisfaction and a certain level of residual desire for food that's going to vary between individuals so we know, we already know this from studies in people with obesity they tend to be you know a bit more sensitive to food cues um, and they will be less likely to be full after a meal so it's not just this you know gluttony that this person has that there's nothing that can be or that that's inherently down to their moral flaws let's say it's it's in fact a very real observable physiological difference in how that person responds to food and food cues to someone like myself who's better able to regulate their body weight so in this case what we're doing is we're intervening with these medications to better enable that person to regulate their appetite and regulate their response to food and as a result then you see observed weight loss yeah and i think these drugs are probably going to become more and more popular over time because their side effect profile is, you know, minimal. Um, yeah. I would say. It's uh, just those kind of standard GI effects that pop up with all these, you know, a bit of nausea, a bit of diarrhea, you know, like it, very tolerable in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And I think, especially given the fact that it's basically a, what feels like a side effect, like you're just not as hungry, mm-hmm. you know, like that doesn't, it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm super stimulated or, this drug i can feel it working like you just notice that you're just not as hungry that's effectively how the drug is working right like that's obviously very beneficial for just spontaneously or at least it feels spontaneous uh, spontaneously reducing your calorie intake right so if you combine that with just having a little bit of an eye to your calorie intake itself and you know choosing better food choices etc and then also combining it with some exercise like fat loss could happen very, very easily and have it feel very easy as well. 
you know? So I can definitely see these drugs becoming more and more popular. Like obviously there's a lot of hype around them already. Um, and obviously we have an obesity epidemic, which would be phenomenal if we solved. Um, so stuff like this, I think it's only going to play a bigger and bigger role in this whole weight loss, fat loss realm. Um, do you anything else to say on the GLP-1 agonist, Gary? Um, I don't think so, to be honest. You know, I mean, it's a it's a fairly simple in summary. Of course, there's more you can read about the mechanisms of action and everything. But I think like what you're seeing here that's really interesting is that, you know, people are losing weight and then they're maintaining that weight loss, which is really the important thing that we don't often observe in weight loss trials. We very often see that after people lose weight, they regain it or they regain most of it. And it seems like these weight loss drugs have, you know, overcome that to some extent and are enabling people then to lose far more weight. Um, and it's also, you know, anecdotally, I've seen some obesity doctors talk about how, you know, they've had they've had success, let's say, with someone that's lost loads of weight. And as and once they've lost all that weight, they've got this, you know, insatiable hunger that they're really struggling to deal with. And that puts them then obviously at risk of weight regain. And in that population and people who've already lost weight, there's been um, doctors who have used these GLP-1 agonists at that point in time, and that's enabled them then to maintain their weight loss because it's better regulated their appetite at that point in time. So, you know, you can see that it's, I'm sure there's going to be many interesting applications um, here. And I could probably see this, I could probably see more bodybuilders, you know, using these types of medications, potentially even in the post-competition period would be really interesting to see how people get on with these because of how severe the the appetite um, can be at that point in time and also maybe those who are even potentially on that kind of disordered eating spectrum struggling with binge eating and things like that it'd be interesting to see how these drugs might play a role so yeah I think we'll see a lot of interest in, in coming years. And in the bodybuilding sphere I know a few of them are used especially the shorter acting ones I think lyriglutide is shorter acting if yeah. I'm not um, because bodybuilding is a bit of a strange one where you still need to eat, you still need to hit your calories, you still need to fuel muscle retention. Like you can't just have your appetite completely blunted. Like you're not going to get the physique that you want at the end of all of this. So you have to play around with a dosing schedule where, or like even a drug selection, uh, whatever schedule, uh, where you need to still eat, but having your hunger blunted a little bit could be really beneficial in something like, you know, prepping for a bodybuilding stage. Um, so again, it's interesting. It's interesting to see, first of all, just the drug category itself. I think this is a phenomenal area, you know, that's being explored, but it's interesting then to see how that is being utilized in different spheres versus like, say, the medical sphere, using it for obesity, that kind of stuff. And then bodybuilders going, you know what? This might actually help me stay on track with my diet when i'm doing a prep you know um but anyway that's the glp1 agonists i think they're really cool and um, mm -hmm. there's not much else that needs to be discussed with them what's next gary the last one then is a drug called uh, misimba with its trade name i think that's the irish one in here. i'm not sure it is in other countries uh, but this is not a combination drug of naltrexone and bupropion so this is interesting because it's probably not immediately intuitive why these drugs would be used. So naltrexone is an opioid receptor antagonist. So basically it's having the opposite effect of uh, opioid drugs. So the way this works, the naltrexone component, is it has a reduction in the uh, activation of reward systems. 
So, you know, people take opioid related drugs, things like heroin, for example, or Oxycontin, et cetera. They get this massive kind of, they get this euphoric effect, this increase in reward. So this drug is effectively having the opposite effect. It's reducing the amount of reward that we're getting in response to, for example, food anticipation or craving, but also the reward after a meal. So you're, you're basically having, it's a central effect within the brain that's making meals or the thought of having meals a little bit less rewarding. Okay, so that's an interesting effect. And then bupropion is, is, is kind of similar in that it's also acti- acting centrally. This is a dopamine and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. And basically it has an appetite suppressive effect. So when you put those two together, you're getting a suppression of your appetite centrally, um, but you're also getting suppression of the reward that's anticipated from eating and the reward that comes from eating a meal. So again, overall effect here, reducing um, energy intake via those central mechanisms. Yeah, 100%. And again, seems to be an effective drug for some people. And this is probably an important point to take away from this discussion. There are multiple mechanisms that may potentially help with fat loss, weight loss. Some of it is more centrally mediated in terms of like, it's more, uh, we'll say a brain phenomenon, like your hunger signals. You're like, where do they come from? It's not like, you know, it's not intuitive, we'll say, right? Some of them are just what we would classically think of if you come from more of a health and fitness realm where you're like, oh, if I can increase my energy expenditure, I'm going to burn more calories just doing my normal life, right? Then there's other drugs that potentially affect your appetite, not in more of a central way, but more in a like anxiety uh, produced way in terms of they're like, right, you just feel more anxious or because you're liberating more fat, for example, and you're using more fat for energy, maybe that evens out your appetite signaling. So you're not as hungry between meals. Um, So there are a variety of different mechanisms and that should give you hope. Well, if you're planning on using drugs, I suppose uh, that should give you hope in terms of there are different ways to overcome the specific issues that you have. Like there's no just one size fits all. There's no like take this drug and it's going to work for everyone or take this supplement or whatever. Like you can get help with the specific issues that you were having. If it's appetite regulation, for example, if it is, you know, you're just feel like you don't move a lot. Like there are stimulants, for example, that could be used. And um, now again, we don't really recommend using any of these drugs. That's something that you should talk about with your doctor. Um, it's not really our realm. And like we talk about health and fitness from the normal perspective, not the uh, pharmacological perspective. Um, but understanding these different drugs does actually help you understand what's at play in terms of just normal physiology and what levers to pull. If you're like, all right, I'm going to take a drug to increase my energy expenditure and you're not doing some baseline habits like going for a 15 minute walk, you know, like just going, trying to get your 10,000 steps per day. Like you're kind of jumping the gun. You're kind of looking at the wrong area for health. Like you're not doing the baseline things that these drugs are just affecting those baseline things as uh, uh, and coming along with side effects while they do it right so if you're not maximizing your baseline habits already it's kind of missing the forest for the trees now as we said at the start for some people the drugs are actually the missing piece right in terms of if you just take say a glp1 agonist and all of a sudden you're much much more easily able to stick to your diet 
you now don't feel as hungry like that could be a phenomenal addition to the overall fat loss weight loss picture you know you still do need to exercise you still need to do all the stuff that comes along with that you still need to find the time to do it etc you still do need to eat healthily you still need to you know learn to cook food learn how to shop do all the stuff that goes along with it that we talk about but certain drugs may help with that overall process right but we are still of a mind that okay there's certain things that we need to get dialed in at a baseline good nutrition practices good training practices good sleep good stress management and every single thing is secondary to that now obviously again like i said for some people for certain conditions for certain populations a drug might be the missing piece like if you have low testosterone for example and you're like i just do not feel motivated i do not feel like invigorated i don't feel like i can do any of these things and then we give you some testosterone well not us but you know the medical sphere gives you some testosterone and all of a sudden you're like well i'm really motivated i actually don't have depression anymore i feel like really gunning for it in terms of train changing my body composition improving my health you know cooking good food going to the gym etc etc like obviously that is going to be that's the missing piece there for you right so it's important to understand that there are multiple vectors that we can look at and it's important to understand that we have to get the baseline habits dialed in regardless but then it is also important to recognize that drugs can help with that process but drugs don't replace that process those baseline habits for most people at least absolutely so yeah i think that's pretty much everything i have to say on this topic the only final thing would be you know there's a lot of i think there's a lot of confusion in the fitness industry about maybe the role of these these drugs these weight loss drugs i think a lot of people have a knee-jerk response when they hear about people with obesity taking weight loss drugs especially someone that maybe has lost a lot of weight themselves they might feel like oh well i had to do it this way why can't you do it this way or this is softer this is a cop out it's you know you're just you're cheating the system. Why can't you just have more discipline, et cetera? And I think there's just an element of humility that's required there in terms of understanding that you 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 just don't know how someone else responds to food cues, how they respond to a given level of, of calories, et cetera, versus you. Um, and we are all different in that sense. And, and that's, you know, that's being observed. It's an evidence-based observation. It's not something that you know, we're just making up to justify people being lazy. You know, it's, it's not that simple. So while we absolutely are in favor of, yes, hard work, yes, discipline, put in the work, prepare your meals, you know, get your nutrition in order, absolutely in favor of all of that. But you can still hold that view and realize that these drugs have a very useful effect. And, you know, if you're, even if you're someone like, this is probably one of the points of contradiction that people have to resolve themselves a lot of people that are anti-obesity, let's say, like they'll, you know, give out about the rise of obesity and they telling people to look after themselves, et cetera, are also against these drugs, which are going to solve the, the solve it for these people and make them healthier. So if you care about someone's health, these medications have a role. So I understand the, the knee-jerk response. I understand where it comes from. But, you know, understanding that we do have those different responses and that we are different in the way that we deal with food can hopefully help you resolve some of those those conflicts so um yeah anything to add on that or we're good 
Oh, well, most people that give out about this stuff are also on testosterone and then also other illicit <laughs> drugs. So, you know, it's kind of hypocritical. But anyway, that's just in the song. <laughs> drugs for me, but not for the. <laughs> so anyway, that's everything for this week, guys. One one thing I wanted to add to our, our standard list of announcements is that we have started publishing um, the, the triage pillars or foundation series on our website. So we want more people to get a, get over to our website and read this because it's, you know, it, it's something that we want to do more of is written content, long form, detailed. You can sit down with, make notes and actually understand these things properly. You know, a lot of people benefit from the podcasts. But some people find that listening to podcasts, they do it when they're doing the dishes or they do it when they're driving. I do that a lot. And you mightn't have the time to really sit down and make notes and synthesize the information and make a plan of action as a result of that. So we want to have everything we're discussing in written form as well. So the one that we produced this week is the Foundations of Nutrition. Um, and this is an incredibly long article. There's lovely graphics in there. There's um, solid theory and practice. And if you don't know where to start with setting up your diet, that gives you pretty much everything that you could need to be able to start getting healthier, start improving your performance, nutrition, even your uh, your fat loss, your body composition, et cetera. So check that out. We'll also have more of those coming in the coming weeks and months. So do stay tuned to our social media and we'll be keeping you updated. If you're not following us on social media, you can follow us at Triage Method and our individual accounts, which you'll find on that page. We also have a newsletter where we put out free content, so you can subscribe to that in the description box below. We do have coaching spaces available as well, so if you'd like to work with us in a training and nutrition capacity or nutrition only, you can put in your details in the description box below or check out some of our client testimonials. And then finally, we do also have a nutrition certification, so if you're interested in getting certified in nutrition, practicing as a nutritionist, and becoming a, a real professional when it comes to your ability to coach nutrition, that's something you can get involved with as well. We did just introduce a new payment plan for that because the upfront lump sum is just not, not the best way for some people to make their payments. It's easier to manage your finances when you know what's coming out each month instead. So you can have a look at that and see if that suits you. I don't have anything else to add, except I hope everyone has a phenomenal week ahead. Wonderful. See you in the next one, guys.